Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, Soap fans and true believers, it's Maurice Bernard Monday as the Don of Port Charles, Mr. Sonny Corinthos himself, is in to talk about his new book, Nothing General About It, How Love and Lithium Saved Me On and Off General Hospital, which debuted on the New York Times bestseller list this week. You can download the ebook or order a hard copy online right now without even having to leave your house from your favorite book retailer. There's also an audio version available through Audible that is free if you are new to the audiobook app. And as promised last week, the first half of the GH Report reunion with James Lott Jr. and the ironically called Happy Go Jackie, Mr. Frank Moran is up next. This is Believe in Soap Operas. I'm your host, Lucretia Lyon, and with me today, I have the Don of Fort Charles himself, Maurice Bernard. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, thank you for having me. Well, and you have a book that you've come out, Nothing General About It, How Love and Lithium Saved Me On and Off General Hospital. And the bipolar storyline was incorporated in the show as well, and you go into that in the book. Is What do you really want people to know about this? Uh, you know, I just want people to know that no matter how, how hard things are, how painful it is, that uh, you, you once you get through the pain, you'll see the light. I mean, I know it's cliche, but it's kind of the way it is. Well, some things are a cliche because they are <laughs> true. Yeah. yeah. What's interesting to me, and the reason I've always had this, you know, love-hate relationship with the, the character of Sonny Corinthos is because he reminds me of my own father who also suffered from bipolar disorder as well. And you've done such a great job really portraying it on the show. And when they did that with Morgan as well, since my brother too had it, it's it really does reach people who've dealt with that as well as, you know, people who were unaware. Yeah, you know, it could, it could come in every which way. Um, but nobody in my family had it, so it was kind of just me that had to kind of go through it. But, you know, people that are, people that are there also that love you, it's hard for them to, to, even though they're not going through it, they're going through it watching you. Yeah, it seems like a lonely disease, but it really isn't because the people around you feel it too and sort of learn to adapt. And your book is a lot about how your wife really helped you through that. What's it like having such a supportive partner? Well, uh, it was everything because, you know, I mean, like I always say, whenever I'm going through anything, my wife just talks and it calms me down. And to have that your whole life is, is special. Yeah, and, you know, it's a rarity, sadly, sometimes in this world that people understand and support just completely, but it looks like your wife has been there for you, and I know you have four kids, correct? Yeah, I got four kids, um, and thank God that they're they're just, they don't have it. You know, my, my daughter, one of my daughters has anxiety, but for the most part, they're very, you know, happy and go lucky. During this whole quarantine, they're they're like happy, happy as I've ever seen them. It's great. I'm the one that's like, oh, please, I can't do this. Well, that's good to have the, you know, because you sort of have to have a cheerleader even when you're not, and, and the roles can change. But, yeah, when you're just like, I can't get through this, they're happy and they're wanting to spend time with their dad or their husband. And, it, you know, it's good to have that, especially when you deal with anxiety and manic depression as well. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, anxiety's the worst. I think that's, I mean, I, although I haven't had a breakdown in 27 years, that was pretty bad. That was, I mean, that was very bad. But I still suffer from anxiety. And, uh, people want me to say live with anxiety, but it, when you're in it, you're suffering. 
Oh, yes. I've dealt with anxiety my whole life as well. And what one of the people that has helped you has certainly helped me, but in a different way, Dr. Drew Pinsky. I'm a big fan of his and have listened to Loveline my whole life, and now he just does the podcast with Adam and, and so many others. I remember him talking about and seeing that he was the one to help you with your anxiety. What was that like? Well, he uh, I'm actually doing a show here soon, but he, he told me, because uh, I hadn't gotten on a plane in 10 years, and he had the same problem. So he told me, oh, you, if you want help, you just got to keep getting on. And I thought, that's easier said than done. But yeah. he was right. The more you keep doing it, the easier it gets. And then eventually it'll get much better. Well, yeah, that's what Adam Carolla did for him on Loveline once was he was having a panic attack. And Adam's like, dude, just get out here and do the show. I'll talk. And he just snapped out of it because... And like you say, it's easier said than done. But once you've seen it be done, you're like, okay, I, I think I can do this. Yeah, that's kind of the way it works. And I, I've done it now quite a lot, especially with the plane. You know, you always know you're going to have a little anxiety on the plane. But it's not enough to get you. Because at least you're facing your, your demons, you know. Yeah, I mean, traveling itself is always an anxious task. And I know I didn't fly till I was 20 years old, so I was a little nervous the first time. But my grandma said to me, if you're going to die in a plane crash, it'll crash through your house. And I'm like, you know, you're right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, my, my thing with planes is I'm claustrophobic. You, you, you feel like you need to get out. And it's very confining, especially these days, the more and more seats they compact in there. Yeah, it's tough. I had to get off two planes. It's in my book, but um, I, t I told them to open the doors. <laughs> <laughs> it was wild. Wow, so, so you had to get off two different flights because you told them to open up the doors? Yeah, one was my first time I've, I've had anxiety. Uh, it was on a plane, and, and then I, they were going to close the doors, and I said, no, i got to get up. And they said, we can't. The doors are already closed. I said, you got to open them. And that was after 9-11. Oh, yeah. They let me out. Then the second time, I was going on vacation with my kids, and the guy put his seat back, and it was almost at my chest. Oh, wow. It felt like that way. And I said, i got to go. Yeah, like, that's some serious claustrophobia and anxiety, but like you say, I mean, it is what it is, and you, luckily, you were able to get off. I mean, but it, it is strange to see how some people just are stuck, <laughs> and, and I guess you, you, I mean, you luckily have an Adam Carolla in the room to tell you to get on with it, but sometimes you don't have that either. But that's why this good book is good about learning how to manage those things. Yeah, because in my book, it, uh, it, it shows that no matter how hard things have been, I was able to overcome. Yeah, because the only time you really fail is when you stop trying. Exactly, exactly. There's no, no one should, no one should fail. You should keep trying. Yeah, and and you've been on General Hospital for 25 years now, so obviously you're doing pretty well in the business. And I know you've had a lot of other success. I know you started on All My Children, then you went to General Hospital. But, yeah, like, I've seen you do a lot of guest star roles. Is that something you want to do more of outside of Sonny Corinthos? Or do you like being the Don of Port Charles? Well, I, uh, I've done a lot in the last couple of years. Uh, oh, uh, you know, I played John Gotti. Yeah. I did a Mickey Rourke movie. So I did a bunch, a couple of Lifetime things. Um, then some independence, all in the span of two years. It was just a crazy at my age. And you always think the grass is greener, but the grass is, really isn't greener. Uh, GH is a great job, great people, great actors, everything. Uh, what I want to do is be a motivational speaker. That's my goal. That's awesome. That's what I really want to do. Kind of, because I do this thing on Sundays called State of Mind, where I've been doing it for over a year I speak about my life with mental health and it's amazing I've been speaking about it for over a year and this thing happens now with the coronavirus 
um, but uh, that's kind of the direction I want to go. Well, and, and what I see, you know, speaking of Dr. Drew and Adam Carolla and people doing that now, they have their own podcasts or doing Zoom or like videos and things. So they're continuing to be motivational speakers, even when they can't have like a live audience. So would you be interested in doing, you know, simply more of that if that becomes the case? Or do you really want to get yeah. in do tours? Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know about maybe podcasts. It, it, people have talked to me about it quite a bit now. Uh, because what I do on the Sundays is it shouldn't even be on Instagram stories. The format is all wrong. What I do is I I speak for about 20 minutes. No, not 20. About 10 minutes about whatever I want to speak about. And I put music in. I edit it. I do it all myself. No one's really do- doing it on Instagram stories because it doesn't make sense. Yeah. But I love I love it, man. Now a podcast, that's more of an interview, right? I mean, I guess. Yeah. And it's it longer. Can be. Yeah. So I don't depends. I'd have to I'd have to think about. It. But motivational speaking would be ideal for me. Yeah, and I like you put it on Instagram stories and stuff like that because that's to me one of the most accessible pieces of social media and the ways that everybody's going through. Yeah. And that's the idea, is to reach as many people yes, as possible. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That, yeah, it's uh, anybody can get in there. I've been doing it every Sunday, like church, and the response I get is great. Um, I didn't do it last week for the first time, actually, because I, I just wasn't. I was kind of under the weather, but um, I'll do it again Sunday. Yeah, and I like how you said like church because people go to church to get answers and people are going to come to you to get answers on how to deal with mental health. So it's it's the same sort of idea and making it consistent every yeah. Sunday, you know, makes sense. Yes, exactly. Yeah, because I know if there were certainly things like this when I was a kid growing up with a parent who suffered from bipolar disorder, it would have been, you know, really helpful to know what was going on when you really had no other way of understanding. And luckily, Instagram is for kids. Yeah, that's the thing, you know. So I wish I had. So I, I would have been able to, during my first breakdown, maybe go in, into so into the internet, or YouTube, and find ways to help myself. Yeah, that is one of the bright sides of the internet is that people have so much more information at their fingertips these days than they did when you were 22. Right, right. And luckily now, even though people are at home and isolated, they don't feel so alone with stuff like the internet. So your shows on Sunday on Instagram live that are, you know, free, they have access to that and it could really help somebody. Yes, yes, absolutely. That's the thing. And I... I know that it certainly helps people who might be fans of your work and stuff like that to see this and see, like, we are just all the same. We are just people dealing with stuff. Some of us may be directly dealing with mental health or some of us may have a family member. So it's good to see it portrayed there as well as see the man behind the character. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I it seems like I've become the poster child for uh, mental health, but that's kind of... I guess that's what I wanted, and um, and and it makes me feel good that if I can help anybody, that's what it's all about. Yeah, and it's good to see somebody like you who is, you know, ultimately surviving with mental health that is the voice and the face for bipolar disorder these days when used to people had, you know, a much more tragic story like Kurt Cobain. As I've always said, the song Lithium makes so much sense when you really understand what that is and why people take it. And it's nice to see a much happier story with yours, but also showing the ups and downs. Oh, the lithium. Yeah, I've never mm-hmm. really heard the words. What is it about? Um, It's like, basically, it's about having manic depression here or there. Like, he's like, you know, I'm so excited, you know, but I'm also so depressed. And it just really was, you know, Kurt's cry for help that, again, without the internet back then, people didn't really understand what was going on. Uh, they just thought it was a cool song. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's interesting. And he was bipolar, Kurt Cobain? That's what they always believed. There was never really an official diagnosis from him or another, because like we say, back in the early 90s, there wasn't really the internet. People weren't as vulnerable as, say, you're being with your book and, and more people are now yeah 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 wow 
he probably was bipolar. So, yeah, and, and what a great thing to be using, you know, trying to be a motivational speaker. Like you say, this is all about helping people and, you know, trying to get what mental health is and how you can help yourself and how it's important to have a good support system. I read the other day that Risa Dorkin, one of your General Hospital cast members who plays Amy, she said she has been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Yeah, that's what I heard, too. Um she reached out to me a while ago, and unfortunately, I was going through my own health. And uh, but I just actually contacted her, and we've been texting each other. That's great, Poor girl. Damn. Yeah. Damn. I know, and it always helps to have you know somebody there that's been through it. I know, like when I've dealt with stuff, it always helped to have know that somebody understood what you were going through. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, if you've lived it, you're gonna believe it more. Yeah, and they'll believe you as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because so many of us get so wrapped up in our own heads and don't really understand, like, how how we're going to get out of it. But when you see someone else has gotten out of it, I think you can see the light. Yes, yes. And then when I, when I was growing up, I didn't have anybody to, to look up to in that way. Uh, so I kind of thought I was an alien. Yeah. Like I didn't know what the hell was going on. But luckily, now that we're a little bit more connected, even though we're all supposed to be six feet away from each other, stuff like your book and your Sunday mental health talks, people will have something they can turn to. And I think that's why we're dealing much better than we have in the past with mental health in this country. Would you agree? I agree with you. I agree with you. There's just more access. And people now know that bipolar is something... The, the new crazy, I call it. Instead of saying you're crazy, people say you're bipolar. But at least there's a name to it that people know what it is. 20, 15 years ago, that, that wasn't the case. No, it was referred to as manic depression, which, I mean, essentially says what it is in a way, but it was a little bit more dismissive than it is now when it's given like a, a real, this is bipolar disorder. It almost seems more powerful that way. Yeah, when I got diagnosed, it was manic depressed. I had manic depression, yeah. Um, but it, I think I think I'm starting to see a bit of a change with uh, the way people respect or people are respecting that mental illness could kill you. Yeah, I mean, we've seen so many people in the last few years, like Chris Cornell or Chester Bennington, a lot of musicians. It commit suicide, and ultimately it was because of mental illness and it's stuff like that that you but bring up. Even Kurt Cobain, and yeah, we can go. You know, but but in those times, no one was talking about. It. Now they are. Now I think they're taking they're taking it more seriously. Yeah, because it's it's an epidemic, just like what we're dealing with the coronavirus now. It's not as right. you can't catch it from another person, but at the same time, we lose just as many people a year to mental health issues as you know the coronavirus this year. Exactly, exactly. And I think if you treat it like a disease that can be treated and managed, then people will actually understand that it's it's not a death sentence unless you make it one. Yes. It can be managed. You can't overcome it. You just need to get professional help. Uh, and look, I've been I've been dealing with it, managing it for t- t- over thirty years. Yeah, and not just managing it. You have a successful career, a successful marriage, four kids. I yeah. mean, you can thrive. You don't just have to survive. Exactly. Exactly. Well, as we start to wrap up here, is there anything else you want the fans to know about Nothing General About It, how love and lithium saved me on and off General Hospital? Well, I just want the fans to know that they know how much I love them because they've been with me from the beginning. And uh, they've they've made the book a New York Times bestseller. So that in itself, I couldn't have done without them. Um, that's it. That's it. That that to me means a lot. Yeah, I had many talks with fans in the last year about the book, <laughs> so <laughs> they uh, they they just knew what had to be done, and it, it, it's amazing. They, they've never disappointed me ever. 
Yeah, that's the thing about, especially soap opera fans, they're very loyal. And especially someone like you who's been just as loyal being on General Hospital consistently for 25 years, you do feel like you're in it together. Yeah, it's great. I love it. I can almost, I can almost, we're so connected. I can almost feel they're like what they're going to do or not do. And it's amazing. It's a great, I love them. Well, yeah, and we, we love you too. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for doing this, guys. The book is out now. You can order it on Amazon, find it on audiobooks, anywhere. You can get nothing general about it, how love and lithium saved me on and off General Hospital. So, as I said, get the book, Nothing General About It, How Love and Lithium Saved Me On and Off General Hospital. Now, wherever you shop online or if your favorite essential shop has a book section. And be sure to follow Maurice on social media at Maurice Bernard and check out his Instagram stories every Sunday for his mental health talks. And now, here's the first half of our GH Report reunion episode. guys it's believe in soap operas and like i said we were having a gh report reunion for you guys especially after i used a flashback or throwback thursday if you will with our interview with tanya walker me and mr happy go jackie himself frank moran yes happy to be here and it wouldn't be a gh report reunion without james law jr it's me! It's me, bitches! I'm back, bitches! It's me! Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you guys for coming. And I almost believed Frank when he said he was happy to be here. <laughs> oh, I'm working I'm working on, you know, uh, trying to fool people with my emotions here. <laughs> well, at least you're talking to an adult at this point. Or two adults. I'm close yeah, enough. <laughs> I'm still waiting for a rant or two from Frank coming up, so you better not disappoint. Oh, don't, don't worry. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that, that was what I was waiting for. I'm like, you know, sometimes I'm just too positive about this show. I really need a different voice in the room. So who would I call besides Frank Moran? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so why don't we get them to the ER stat? Just start out on the bad note, Frank. What are you not enjoying on General Hospital these days? Uh, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. I, I will say the one thing that's driving me uh, up a wall is this uh, Willow and Michael storyline. Oh, yeah. How many times do we have to kind of repeat? Uh, you know, you really should marry Willow. You really should marry Willow. I, even if it happens, even if they decide, like, yes, they're going to go through with it, what judge is going to go in that in that uh, court session? going to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I totally buy that this is a uh, above-board marriage and not being used just for the sake of getting sole custody of his child. Yeah, the whole Willow thing, I just do not understand. Like, the way that everyone talks about her, it's like she's Sonny and Jason's love child because she is literally the greatest thing to ever happen to Port Charles ever, based on the dialogue alone. I mean, it's very reminiscent of Babe on All My Children, where it was just like, oh my god, guys, she isn't that big a freaking deal. <laughs> like, get over it. <laughs> <laughs> and I really don't know what they gain by not having her be a teacher anymore. Like her working in the hospital does really nothing for her. At least being a teacher, she was interacting with a lot of the kids of other parents on the show. So at least that makes more natural interactions between characters like this doesn't really do anything for her. Well, and it almost seems like they've shoved her in every storyline or every area throughout the whole year with this character. And, you know, even into last year, it was like, why is she here? <laughs> like. Yeah, because I feel like she's going to just be a red herring uh, for the, the Nell-Nina connection, where that's also, if I have to have a, another shot of Nina just sitting there at her desk, just dangling that uh, heart <laughs> yeah, 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 um, yeah. Uh, oh. yeah, the only thing worse than Nina and the necklace is Nina and Jax for me. It's like, well, they've really just made Jax unlikable. I enjoy Jax, but yeah. I, I wish, I wish I felt the enthusiasm or the chemistry that I think the show wants me to have for these two characters. Yeah, and two, it's not just because I love Valentine so much, but it was just a really awkward transition with the Nina and Jax, and now, like, up until this last interaction with them, Nina had just flipped the switch and been like, who, Valentine, who, Jax, whatever, and Jax really hasn't been that great in this return. He's kind of a judgy little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> 
I've noticed, uh, I, I mean, making accommodations to the, the world we're living in right now, that the show is stretching as much original content as they can by really slamming in tons of flashbacks to pad out these episodes. But man, it's it, it's a rough watch sometimes. I, in one sense, it's like great because I can spin through an episode in about 15 minutes. But on the other hand, it's like, oh, I think I'd rather just go to full encores and just be able to skip a whole day than try to kind of weed through episodes that are laced so heavily with flashbacks. Yeah, it's really smart on their part in one way to stretch them out and sort of tutor people that may have been, you know, falling out because, you know, they used to have to go to work or things like that. So I certainly think it was clever, but I will say I enjoy some more than others. Like when they feature Hayden or Griffin, characters we want to see more of, not characters that we see way too much of already, Willow. <laughs> what I do, have, and uh, James, I'm sure, I don't know if you've noticed this as well, but I love flashbacks simply for the hairstyles. So it seems so great for just like a couple of years ago to so like, oof, Jacks. Yeah. That last return was really rough looking yeah, on my yeah, hair. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or like Peter's old hairstyle. I'm like, well, you know, what was that? Like little emo boy band? I even forget. <laughs> So, I'm going to be the dissenter. I don't mind Willow. I don't mind the Willow Michael storyline, actually. There are other storylines, <laughs> which I know we're going to talk about, that I hate. I literally hate. Um, that we'll talk about, I'm sure, on the show today. But this is one of the few storylines that bothers me the least. Um, because, I mean, I just, I, just I, I like Willow. I like Willow. I like Sasha. I, li I like Chase. I like Michael. I like Michael now. I've never been a big fan of Michael before. Um... I, I love Nell. I love that Nell is causing problems. Oh, Nell is like, the I'll best. Give two craps. I'll give two craps. <laughs> yeah. Just snarky or whatever. I love it, Mark. Um, it's, a, it's a story of, you know, good versus evil, so to speak. And then, you know, Willow, they have to have a good girl on the show. Every show has to have that pristine, virginal, angelic girl. That, that's a soap trope they do all the time, but it just have, they have to have one. Obviously, they have to have a good girl. And Sasha plays the role of she could be bad when she needs to, but she's a good person also, so that's good too. So we need those different layers. Um, regarding the flashbacks, I, I think it's very clever that they did this. The problem is, a, a storyline which we'll talk about, I'm sure on the show shortly, um, to see those flashbacks and remind me why I hate that storyline <laughs> doesn't help. Yes. Um, but with, the, with this story, I thought in the terms of, of them actually trying to stretch out the episodes, that is smart, because right now, we're in a world where Dunder Rest is going to have no new episodes as of next Thursday for the first time in 47 years. Wow. That's crazy. That's crazy. They've, they've run out. So that's crazy. And so the soaps are going to run out. So it's smart of them business-wise. And also, if you're a viewer who hasn't watched in a while, there's your chance to kind of catch up. And it has been fun seeing Griffin and Hayden and and all these, all these characters that are gone. They're like, oh my God, I love them. He's going to see them again and, and kind of see what how it leads up to where we are today. I, I kind of love that. And it's been, it's been a lot of fun. But I don't know, I don't mind the Michael Willow and all that thing. It's contrived, but it doesn't bug me as much. It's one of the least storylines that bugs me. Well, uh, James, I'll ask you with Nell. The, uh, when the, her and Carly have the big confrontation in oh, yeah. <laughs> Nina's office, do you buy that Nell is a, a Carly without a Jason, or is she better or worse than Carly? Very good question. You should be a host. Um, <laughs> you, know, you, should, you, should some, you should do some interviews. Um, no, that's a very good question, actually. I, I was actually, I was surprised by my reaction to that big confrontation. Because I actually liked it more than I thought it was. I, I went in with my eye, rolling my eyes, and I'm like, oh, here we go. And then I walked away going, did they just have a moment? Like, did those two just have a moment? Like, I felt like, I feel like Nell, let me answer your question, but I feel like Nell is a, is a a lesser version of Carly. She's a Carly wannabe. So she's not, Carly did things, her reasons were kind, she was reckless and young, and she did things. Nell just was more mean spirited and just like and misguided and just that like she wasn't Carly. There's there's similarities, yes, but not really. Um, but they did have a moment. It was like my problem was like, why didn't Carly remember there was a kid in the room? Like why was she had a heart? Then I was just like, you were that little blonde girl. Like why do you not remember that? Like why do you put two and two together? Like why did they make her make her go like I don't I didn't know I don't know her I didn't know you I don't know like wait a minute there was a girl in the room. Okay, bitch, you're not that old. <laughs> I was like, so that part bugged me in the story, 
But they did have, but I did like the fact that it's, it's, it's all about Carly, apparently. That, that's, that's what this whole story is about. <laughs> of course. Of course. It's all about Carly. So showing Carly, Nell is a mirror to Carly. Oh, yeah. And, and her past. Clear. They set that up. I get it. So I think to answer your question, uh, 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 Happy Go Jackie, I think that <laughs> Nell is a lesser version of Carly. And so she's not quite Carly. I, the first thing uh, to go for the, the Carly point there, when she came into her kitchen with uh, Michael and Sasha and basically just took the storyline and made yes. it her own. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, all right, come on. As James Lott Jr. would say, have a seat, have a seat, have a seat. Have several several seats. Seats. <laughs> it's not all about it, but it's all about Carly. It's all about Carly, like literally. The story, the one thing about the storyline that bugs the S out of me, but then I interviewed um, uh, Kathleen Gotti, and so she... No, no, Perry Shen. So I yeah. Perry Shen. He was saying he can't. He can't give me this. Why it is kind of about Carly? Why Carly should be involved in the story? Why she? Because Nell did come to mess up her family. So I, I get that point. I mean, that, there's a point there, but they're really making that. I mean, it's a little too much. I mean, it's a little too much for me about that. But it really yeah. fits Carly though to make it all about yeah, her, yeah. and it fits the storyline because Nell's whole purpose was to get back at Carly. And You're right. Like you say, there was that moment there where I think Carly did, for once, feel bad for Nell because she realized she forgot about her. And yeah. Nell, like, she didn't give Nell where Nell deserved credit and that Nell was raised by Frank, not the sweet Virginia. <laughs> Which I loved those flashbacks, by the way, with James Patrick Stewart and Cynthia Watros oh, yes. and Eden. Those were adorable. Although, why they didn't try to make uh, Cynthia look even kind of close to the original actress that played Virginia. I'm like, what? Not even close. Well, they didn't try to get the storyline even close, so (laughs) I guess they weren't going to go for that, which I don't necessarily mind if it wasn't so easily to look up and see, and they could have, there were just a few tweaks that was like, why? Like, only Luke knew who Caroline was. This whole Frank knowing and giving the the info, that seemed like an odd rewrite, and to me, because it didn't serve Nell or Carly either way. It's like, yeah. <laughs> neither one looks I, good, but... <laughs> okay, so I so my thoughts on this, because, you know, they just forward the Luke storyline, they brought, you know, they had... Just, fun fact, Chloe Lanier played, um, played, uh, what's her name? The, the mother, one of the characters, and, and Carly played the mother. So I get, I get the yeah. whole thing about using regular mm-hmm. characters to kind of do it. Having Eden McCoy play young Carly was, uh, was inspired. I mean, that makes yeah. sense. It was kind of inspired. Um... I just couldn't get over that bad wig. I was like, okay, girl. I'm like, okay, you watch those. They could be better than that. But they could be better than that. I mean, I know she wasn't rich enough. She was from Florida. But I've been to Florida. I've seen some trashiness down there. But <laughs> it was a little weird. It was a little weird. I was like, okay. I'm like, okay. I, the wig was just too distracting for me. Um, but I was trying to remember what the, the Virginia looked like originally. I was, trying to, I was trying to remember that when I was watching that. I was like, what was the, I said, she did come on. She came to Port Charles. Then she died. So I'm trying to remember that, um, but I don't know. Women, I mean, it, I, it was it was an inspired idea to tell Carly's story and try to tie it together. Which I kept thinking, why did you do that a long time? She did that a long time ago. Yeah, that was the first thing with me. That's like that conversation. I think realistically, I mean, I know in the soap opera world, they probably changed courses of storylines, yeah. had different ideas that pop up. But I feel like that was a conversation that realistically would happen years ago. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But it's fine. I mean, the flashbacks are not bad. I mean, they're fine. Are you guys happy with uh, Nina being uh, Nell being Nina's daughter as opposed to what it seemed like they were trying to set up Willow for a while? Yeah, I'm way happier because I like Nell, and I think that brings more story, especially considering how Nell keeps trying to get with Valentine, which is hysterical, and <laughs> and you have Nell being screwed over by Nina and unaware of it at the moment, and it's all that was how they had set up when Michelle Stafford was Nina with Willow, though then getting into it, but it almost didn't make sense now that they've sort of changed that path. And for the love of God, Willow doesn't need to be in every story. <laughs> no, I, I, I am, okay, I'm going to be a dissenter on this. I'm going to the opposite. Mm-hmm. I hate the idea. And I, and trust me, I love Nell. And I love me some me. I love them both. It's just, oh my God. It's just mm-hmm. like, okay, my thing is, I wish that Sasha turned out to really be her daughter. Yeah, because I actually like Sasha. I think Sasha and Chase deserve better than the storyline they're in. I agree. But I felt like 
Sasha, would it be a funny twist if she really was the daughter of her? Like, would it be really funny? I mean, that would be kind of, I mean, that would be actually a great twist. It turns out she really is a daughter of Dina. Because if you remember, the father is Silas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we've got to remember that. Everybody's forgetting that part. We've got to remember Silas is the father. So I'm going by Michael Easton's, no, Dark Harry's looks. So to me, Willow actually makes more sense. She does look more like Silas, but Nell looks more like Kiki. Exactly. Yeah. I was going that direction. I was going that direction. And so I was like, that would be actually interesting as Willow. I mean, now, because we don't really, we don't really know Willow's past that much. You know, Harmony's her mother. That, that could be anything with the cult stuff. But I thought, I actually rather have Willow. Now, it's, it's like it's a stretch to me. It's like, but she was in, so I guess Frank went to New York. I mean, it's just a whole, I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's a stretch to me. I don't know. But in a sense, it also makes the world a little smaller by like, oh, it does. It does. all these people are just so wrapped up together. It's like, that's a lot of coincidences to, to keep on exactly. top of Exactly. Exactly. But it's just so, I get it. It's so, I mean, yeah, I get it. But I mean, I won't, I mean, I look forward to see what happens. I'm going to totally, you know, be watching to see what happens if they can get back to, if they can get back to filming again. Um, but I mean, it's, I mean, okay, it's fine, I guess. I did like how the show had to really make sure, though, we understood that they are mother and daughter by that really cheesy split screen at the end of the episode. Like, oh, thanks, guys. I could have picked it up just by seeing the locket in the box. Well, how do you notice, though, they have new directors. They have some new directors, and they've been trying some things. I've been noticing that over the last month or two. They've been trying different angles. They're trying to do, like, you know, handheld camera style, a few episodes of things. I'm like, they're trying. It's like the female director there now is doing something. I forgot her name, but they're like, they're, I feel like they're trying some new stuff. Ain't quite working, but they're trying <laughs> stuff. Now, so I, get point, I get points for that. I get points for that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't believe it at all, but I'm just like, oh, okay. Yeah. So they're trying, they're trying different things. Split screen. They're trying these little fade in, fade out things where one's talking, else are fading. So I like, they're, they're trying some stuff. They're trying some stuff. Uh, I will say the storyline that is driving me crazy is uh, the Anna. Anna being a dodo bird. There we go. There we go. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm, oh. The funny thing yeah, is, yeah. is I don't mind Peter as much. I because I will say, like he does sort of make a good foil because he is okay with Maxie and Lulu, but then he is this. He is phase on set. He is awful. But I will say, I do agree that making Anna just feel, and they've written it at least where she feels guilty, so you see why, but it's like, when are you going to really break, wake up and realize he is Faison son? Yeah. And why did they drop the part where it's clearly Alex's kid? We know that Anna wouldn't do that, but it's almost like they, they, they set that up and said it, and then, no? Yeah, it's like, I don't know why, I, I, I mean, I guess she's getting away with the fact that even that they aren't her memories, they are her memories now, so I guess she's going to still feel that maternal connection, but it makes it kind of rough story-wise for me. Here's a James I. Jr. rant. <laughs> yeah. I, I, oh my goodness, I have no shame with this, and I stand by every single thing I'm about to say right now. <laughs> Number one, from day one, I have been very vocal about this on JG Port, on my little JG Spotlight, <laughs> on other podcasts, I've been very open about this. I hate the character of Peter. I hate the character of Peter. I hate the character of Peter. I feel like the character of Peter has zero chemistry with everybody. He has no chemistry with anyone on the show. I feel like watching him with Maxie, I want to throw up every time they can. Gross, disgusting. Kirsten Storms can walk on water to me, and I think she's being completely shafted in this storyline. Manola Hughes can walk on water, and she's being completely shafted in this storyline. I like, the one The one thing I will say, I possibly like this storyline, is when Robert and Anna get together. They've got a lot more oh, yeah. ghosts together now. And then she's like, come on, girl. Come on, girl. Come on, girl. And she's just not, I mean... And then, so then when I interviewed Kathleen Gotti, she did try to make me go, well, she feels bad, she feels guilty. I get that, but I, again, I'm not trying to tell myself just what to do, but I am. There's other ways you could write this story. If her feeling guilty, it's not really her, it's not really her son. She's keeping a secret from him. It's really in a weird way. Nobody's, not talking, nobody's talking about it. Yeah. You're not his son, and you need to address that. I want to see her more conflicted. I can get that being conflicted, fine. But now she's creating this mother-son thing, and they have zero chemistry, look nothing alike. <laughs> Tell us Not how like you really feel, James. <laughs> zero feelings about 
that character, and I wish there was a Who Killed Peter storyline or something. I'm, I'm so over it. You know, as much as I love me Robert Scorpio, uh, yeah. I mean, I feel like he's ill-served in the storyline, because all it is, like, he'll go to Anna, and he goes, no, 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 no. And then, <laughs> then, they, then, they, then Robert goes away for a while, and then he comes back. How about this? No, 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 no. Then he's got to go away again. Like, we hardly see Robert enough as it is. I'd rather have him, you know, being the cool super spy that he is and actually getting through to people than just being constantly like, nope, get away from me. Go, go, go. Well, he's been neutered, remember? He's been a little neutered. Yeah. Yeah, you know he's in the DA role, and the DA has to lose for other storylines to work. Right, exactly. You got it. And so, we're seeing him and Laura together is pretty nice. And the, you know, Oh, yeah, the those are my favorite. Scene. Any more Tristan Rogers, I'll take it. Whatever I can get from him, I'll take it. And, and now that I've met him in person, I love him to death. Like, I'm totally, I'm sold. He's so um, charming. <laughs> he's very, he's so, he's so funny, he's so nice, and his wife were great. I'm, I'm totally a, a Tristan Rogers fan for life. And the fact that when I interviewed him, he was almost Mad Max. That, to me, that story yeah. was very interesting. <laughs> he, he did General Hospital instead of Mad Max. Oh, oh man. Man, that would have been great. I would have loved to... Oh, man. I know. I know. <laughs> I, what I will say is I, I love the... Because they hardly have... They have very few scenes together, but they make the most of them, is any time that uh, Robert and Olivia have a scene together. Oh, yeah. I like them. Yes. And I, I like to stuff with Ulbricht. That's the thing, is he works well with so many people. We just don't get to see it often. I thought his office at Ulbricht and the jail were great. Or, like, with Olivia, it makes total sense <laughs> to have them sort of be com- comrades, in a way, because of Dante. But, yeah, his but with don't... Finn are pretty good, too, playing with Violet. That's the, the yeah, cute zaddy scenes. <laughs> but don't get me started on the Ulbricht thing. I'm like, <laughs> so wait, oh, my God, I'm like... Franco would not believe them. Like, no. why? I mean, like, why make Franco? Like, everybody else possibly, but Franco, we made some great emotional scenes, her and Maxie. I mean, it was all great, some great scenes. But it was like, no. I'm like, this is like the, this is the wrong storyline. But I, I, apparently, it's all about Peter. So this is Peter getting away with it for now. And of course, she'll be vindicated. And, you know, she'll come back and all that kind of stuff. Once, once he's finally taken down, which I can't wait soon enough. Um, I would have rather see Brits take him down and then ultimately believe her mother and that Franco be helpful, but I do get that maybe they didn't want him to be involved, but they really gave a flimsy reason. Maybe he's like, I believe you, but I have a family now, so I don't know what you want me to do. That would have been fine. Well, Brits gone already. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's so weird to me that, like, they had just wrote her off after bringing well, her back. Well, was on Days of Our Lives yesterday. I mean, uh, they were like, What? She's all of a sudden she's off for one day, so the big, so Tony Moore from Dish Days just told me that basically she was signed on to her Days of Our Lives, but then Days couldn't work around her schedule. She got another gig and work around her schedule, so they're recasting it. But oh. if I was like, that's Kelly Feibold on Days of Our Lives. She was off for one day and then gone. Wow. Uh, that stinks. Because, I mean, I was bummed that Brit, like, uh, I, I mean, who knows what happened behind the scenes for this, but... That the way she was brought in, I was excited to have her back. And I'm like, oh, she got a job at GH? She's going to be around for a little bit. Right. Uh, but no, gone. See you no. later. I'm pissed. I'm pissed about that. She's a fan favorite. Yeah. And she has so many connections to people on the show. And they showed those connections. They showed all the connections. Her seeing Nicholas, her and Elizabeth. I mean, all these connections. And then they just drop it. Yeah, because I wouldn't have even minded her and Peter having more scenes. Even though, we, you know, I get the soap Twitter, James, everyone hates Peter. But... It would make sense. They're Faison's kids who actually had to deal with him. That's true. Yeah. And I also, I liked her with Julian. Yeah, that was good. I liked that. Because I liked that she basically put him in his place. And Julian needs that. He does. So. <laughs> well, all right, uh, Lucretia, are you, what, what do you stand on Julian after that whole meltdown that uh, went on in uh, at the hospital with uh, Neil, Alexis, and Julian? And that's why I say we need Brit because Julian is a character <laughs> who needs that. Again, because I like Julian and I really like Will DeVry and there is a way to have Julian work on the show, but him constantly being involved with Alexis, I mean, him picking her up because she couldn't call Neil, that made sense. But then him getting all gruff and, you know, trying to hit Neil, it's like, dude, come on, you worked with this guy. It, it almost was like he didn't expect that to happen, and I'm like, Julian sort of saw the writing on the wall there, so they were kind of just making him a caveman for no reason. Yeah, it's, uh, I, you know, as much as, you know, I want everybody to have a job, I, I really still find it hard to see why we're keeping Julian around. 
Yeah, they don't give him anything to do. The Brit storyline and with Brad actually made sense, but it's almost like they push both of them out to the cornfield. Yeah, and it's like, so I, I don't, uh, if I'm willing to run, I'm like, I guess I'm happy to just have a job right now, but uh, like, uh, all right. Yeah, because I think they should have done like what they've done with Valentine, where they put him in other places, like with Deception and with ELQ, and he's kind of just working behind the scenes. But one thing about Valentine that they didn't do a good job with Julian with is that Valentine has a code, and that's why Maxie was my favorite character this week, sort of pointing out like Lulu's kind of a brat, like you know, oh yeah, well you know, Ava's a drunk. Even that was funny, even though we know he did it. There's all this other evidence to say like, look, he's not that bad. It's not like he's worse than Luke or. <laughs> No, and I, yeah. I love that because yeah, uh, when they do the flashbacks, because I hadn't even forgotten about how Valentine told Michael, like, hey, if you go through with this uh, Sasha reveal, you don't want me as an enemy. And seeing that Valentine's been behind everything that's been happening to Michael was great. But then the scene with Nell this week where he's like, hey, I'm a father. And yeah. so I know <laughs> I, I, I'm really not a huge fan of, of this. And so if you start screwing around, I'm going to blow your game up now. I really like that. Yeah, because it made sense, because we've always seen Valentine is a good dad, and even Maxie pointed it out, and it's nice to see that he at least has some people sort of on his side, and that he's like, hey, yeah, I'm cool with this, but I felt bad for helping you, because I understand Michael, and it's like, okay, and that's what they should do with Julian, and, you know, we could have easily done that. They've sort of made him irredeemable in some ways. Yeah, well, because it always feels like his orbit just seems to center around Sonny at some point, and... He's never going to get one up. Uh, he's never going to get the top dog on Sunny. He's always going to be second fiddle. So it always feels like you, you got to get him out of that Sunny orbit, and you got to get him out of that Alexis orbit, and have him just do interact with some other people. Yeah, and that's why, why the Brad stuff was good. But it's like, okay, now what? <laughs> yeah. One one part of storyline that I will say that didn't bother me so much because I hate Lulu. That's my story too. <laughs> seen this week actually because it's like wow Maxie's making some good points and you see how far Maxie's come as a person that's why it sucks that Peter is who she's stuck with but she's been consistent in like being more mature and more stable I'd like to know what she told told Lulu uh, first of all I'm not asking for permission for Yeah, like no bitch I'm not asking I'm just informing you what's going on I just love it I thought she she almost rolled her neck I was like you go girl she was like, no, um, this is not happening. And Lulu had to cut it. I like, I, and sometimes I do like their friendship in a way because they do go play push and pull all the time. They're two oh, different yeah. kind of strong girls. But I just hate the character of Lulu. They just, they've ruined her beyond belief. I it's actually... Like, yeah, dump on her. Like, I can't, like, ugh. As much as I'm on Valentine's side... Lulu being a petty-ass bitch is funny to me, though. I will say, yeah. Emmy is selling it. Her stuff with Maxie and with Brooklyn, and yeah. it, it's amusing. And I do like Dusty. <laughs> Mark Lawson's adorable. But yeah, Brooklyn's way better. Oh, yeah, she's way better. That, that fight in the Metro Court, like, come <laughs> yeah. on, Lulu. Get out of here. This is, this is your it's former like, mother-in-law. You're a mom, like, right. too. Like, <laughs> Get your shit together. Like, I mean, you know, and I have to admit, I'm signing more with Valentina in terms of yeah. Dusty because me too. Valentina's mm-hmm. like, hey, I've got this video. I could drop a bomb on you about you being having a fight in the Metro Court, but hey, I just want to keep the agreement that we've got. I'm like, I'm siding with you, Valentina, on this one. <laughs> I'd like to talk that Valentina and, and, and uh, Miss Jeannie Francis had yeah. uh, Laura. I like them because they, because I feel like they're more equally matched than Lulu and him. Like, like she's like a little little bratty kid to me. These two are like two adults talking, and Laura doesn't let him put anything over on her. He's like, he's like, he's like, no mf'er. I I know the deal. I know Castine. So you're not even Castine anymore. I know Helena, and it's like she like she like kind of always gets at him. He just has to he has to, like to listen to her. She's like Mama Bear, and I I love that she has gets to do that with him. It, it is interesting that he's got that that he's just sitting 
on the fact that Spencer uh, faked the rigged the election. Yeah. And I'm waiting for when that thing goes. That when he decides, like, all right, I've had enough of you, Laura. He's like, I'm, I've got my hands in the ELQ cookie jar and the deception mm-hmm. cookie jar. Maybe we'll deal mm-hmm. with Spencer and your mayoral election it later. <laughs> and that's what I, I, I like. I like him. I like, I like James Patrick Stewart. Yeah. I like the character of Valentine to me was very cartoonish at first and a little weird. But I like they're fleshing him out. And so now I'm like, you know what? I, I'm, all, I'm all about him. I can, I can actually keep him around. I think he could be, be, no, be a good foil because he is damaged. They I know. That he's a That's damaged why he's so person. hot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. True. <laughs> and, then, and my thing is, Julie, look at me. I want to mention Julie because I mentioned Julian. So well, I like William DeVry. And I yeah. like and He's hot and all that. I like all that. But that character is all, I think I've been open about this too, it's always bugged me because they don't know what to do with him fully. And so when you get the Brad stuff, that was finally good. Yeah. He could not find doing something where he has the upper hand, like you see, I said. Thursday on Believe in Soap Operas. Catch the exciting conclusion of the GH Report reunion. And if you like the show, be sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode and give us five stars and a review if you feel inclined. That does help the show and give us more visibility to get you more content and guests. Thanks, and I'll see you Thursday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.